believe we made episode 10? It's like uh no, I can't. It's a milestone, I, a first little tiny milestone. We had we had to add it up together. No, I, I was surprised it was 10. I thought it was 9. You thought it was 9? Yeah. Well, we had a uh we had a little hiccup with the uh, on on location one that kind of throws it. So it's really 11. So well, but one doesn't count. One is only for our special people who pay, who give us money. They get mm-hmm. a special show. So uh, I'll get that out of the way. Patreon.com slash the bonfire sessions. If you want a special show, get on that shit. <laughs> and thank you to those who have gotten on that shit. Um, yeah, yeah but, for sure. Yeah. This is episode 10, and it's also a milestone because... For the first time in the history of the podcast, we don't have hard alcohol today. <laughs> Sorry to, to disappoint everyone. But, but we have a lot. We have a lot of wine. So We do. And you We're know why we have a lot good. of wine? Because it's in a motherfucking box. <laughs> it is. It's the black box. You, right. you roll with the, with, the, with the boxed wines, man. That's how you do. I mean, yeah. Flavor, taste. It, it, it's fine. It's 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 fine, but it's secondary. Well, it's just it it's it's um it's a good financial decision because you get a lot of wine for not a lot of money. I was honestly for all the uh, I think when we first started sitting around a bonfire and talking, I think we would do bottles more often. But I would be almost surprised if you had a bottle of wine when I got there towards maybe 2017, 18. If it wasn't a box. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, oh, damn, you got a bottle of wine this time. <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I had to impress you anymore. No. Oh, I no, feel like no. we had reached a point in our relationship yeah. where... You already set the hook and reeled me in. I was like, I'm yours, Mike. I'm yours forever. You can you can open up the boxes now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And just rely on our uh, excellent conversation. Yeah, that's right. what gets us through. <laughs> and plus, you can drink more and not spend money. But and, like, and it really is pretty decent it's not it's, bad it's not bad dude if you gave me fuck if you if you gave me if you said matt take a black box or two bottles of two buck chuck which is now really three buck chuck i would take the box in a, in a hot minute i mean i i still do buy like trader joe's two buck chuck every now and then if i'm just like walking down the aisle I'm like yeah fuck if it. you're there if i'm yeah. there but most of the time i'm like i'll go to grocery outlet and get three dollar wine or four dollar wine which is normally like $10 wine, and it's way better. Two Buck Chuck is that, like, that's below the low bar. You know what I mean? Like, I have a pretty low bar when it comes to wine. I am not a snob. That's a little below, and most of the time I use it to cook. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't use this to cook, though. It's it's pretty good. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon from Chile. No, it's it's solid. uh, It's it's fine. You don't have to apologize. I'll prove it right now. It's good. Right. You seem perfectly fine. <laughs> I seem perfectly fine. <laughs> I feel like there's rich aromas of dark fruit complemented by, a, I don't know, a deep, lush body. The finish seems soft and long with lingering notes of berry. Does that seem correct? Right. It does seem kind of flat, though. Well. A, a little flat. The only gross part, I'll be honest, is when you pull it out of the box, you try to get the little bit of... Uh, <laughs> It kind of looks like um, it looks like a bag hanging from your fucking. And you're in the ICU and you got like a. You need a blood transfusion. It kind of looks like a. Doesn't bag look of, super healthy. No, and I'm just like squeezing into my glass. Like ah, this kind of looks like blood. <laughs> Ew, I don't know how cool I am with that, but. And then you drink it and you're like, oh, I'm good. It's not blood. <laughs> it tastes delicious. Right. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Crow. 
Ah, yeah. So it's episode 10. We made it to a milestone. And um, I'm excited about that. It's a, it's a good feeling to actually get some things under our belt. Seems like we're on the right track. Hope people are liking it. Um, and I'm enjoying it, though, man. Yeah. It's been a good time. But, uh, I mean, subjectively, I feel like it's something worth doing, but it just feels good to be doing something. It always feels good to be doing something. It's uh, That's the thing about, uh, we've said it before, being a writer is so hard. It's such hard work, man. I swear to God. Like, I am, I work every day. And then people, some people don't think about it as work. You'd be like, oh, you have a webinar or you have a recording or your podcast and you're just in that. And it's like, no, this is actually how I get paid. So it's like, and sometimes like you, as much as you love it, it still turns into work a little bit. You could love something and still work. Uh, it's not, it doesn't have to be a nine to five to be work. Like there's things that, uh, you know, yeah. it's just effort. I mean, it, it takes your time. It takes effort. It takes, uh, practice. You have to be on your game. You have to be in the right mindset. Um, well, I mean, writing that prose that is, a you know, what you would consider as gold. I mean, sure. I mean, maybe it happened in a moment of, um, spontaneous spon- spontaneity but <laughs> yeah. i don't know more likely than not it was it was just one idea among money uh, among many that you just spent the time to try to think of like yeah it does take a, it takes a lot of effort but um it's it's definitely um man something i love to do I'll tell you what <laughs> definitely found my niche of what i want to do in life and hopefully it helps people if it doesn't, doesn't like we say on uh, what's what do we say on our Patreon site? It's like a a, a unique podcast that is sure to enlighten and offend. <laughs> right, Hopefully. it's going to enlighten some people. Some people are like, oh, that's some good shit, and it's entertaining. The first goal is entertaining. I want to entertain people. Right. Hopefully, but it's not boring. Hopefully, it's not boring. And then if it has some poignant, enlightened moments, that's great. But some people are going to be fucking offended. Some people, I don't know. If they come across it, I'm guessing by my language, that certainly seems. Maybe to be. I don't know how you could stumble across this and be offended by what yeah. by what we say, but I'm gonna guess most people are gonna know what they're getting into, and uh, uh, yeah, if you don't and you just stumble across it, it's like, well, okay, be ready, <laughs> it's gonna be a rocky ride, I tell you. <laughs> but <clears throat> right, I mean, just so you know, we don't. Read the Bible literally. Oh my goodness, no um, we don't. We're okay with Eastern religions. Um, Not only are we okay with them, we celebrate them because they should be celebrated. No, they're uh, they're another part of the puzzle. They're, uh, no, uh, I'm not the first person to say this, I'm sure, but I've said it before. It's like no, no tradition has the corner market, you know, on truth. They don't have... Uh, I don't think any tradition has all the answers or maybe they have all the answers, but that doesn't exclude all the, the other tradition from having all the answers to, I mean, it's, it's all part of the, uh, well, just technically speaking from like a times standpoint. No, I mean, if every, if a religion could be, uh, totally exhaustive in, in what it talks about, it would be infinite. Like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because all of them are talking about like an infinite sort of or an eternal sort of principle or whatever concept. 
eternality. You know, I mean, if you're talking about that, you're never going to have everything. I don't think. No. But I think they're all pointing towards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Towards the same thing. Yeah. And I think most people who listen to the show are going to realize that. And those who don't are going to probably turn it off real quick and give us a one-star review on iTunes and tell us how shitty we are. <laughs> that's okay, too. If that's your prerogative. <laughs> fucking, like, we live right. in a free country. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah I don't give a fuck. <laughs> because you're not going to... I mean, it, you know, think about it. Like, if you're going to critique things, if you're going to talk openly and honest, someone's going to get pissed off. Maybe, maybe that's why there's 40,000 denominations in Christianity. Like, it seems that We've can we've proven, at least in the Western world, and every world probably, we've proven that uh, we're pretty good at uh, you know cutting those off who don't agree with us. <laughs> we'll just start a new denomination. We'll start a new church. We'll start a new religion. We'll do this. Yeah. And that's like yeah. I think it's Bridget good God. that we're uh, that we can talk about God in so many ways. I like that. That I mean that's good, but it, I mean it's bad that we're not seeing the common denominator like um some people are but not everyone not no. everyone actually most people probably don't i don't know if you took a survey of how many people are like is your religion right <laughs> and other all others are wrong i think i think at least 50 percent of each faith would be like mine's right they're wrong at least there might well, be some more towards i mean i think side. Probably close to 100% of people would say that their faith is the correct one. The correct one. Because Not only a correct one, but the correct one. Because if they didn't, they'd go believe something else. Like, that's that's just the how... That, that's how that works. The mystics are uh, a minority, and always have been, and maybe always will be. The, the Dalai Lamas and the Desmond Tutus who are like... You're, I'm oh, no more just, right than you're right, and you're no more right than right. I'm right, and we just just simply the enlightened ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Maybe that's the right term, but I like mystic too. But that can be a loaded term. Enlightened can be everything can be a loaded term, but you know what we're talking about. I know. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> if not, we haven't done our job now, have we? Or I mean, yeah, just keep listening. Well, we we really just talk about the same stuff over and over, over so. and over. No, so. we don't. It's all it. I mean, I guess you could say that, but that's the, th I mean, every show or podcast that's themed on something's going to talk about the same thing over and over. I mean, in a way. No, no, not, not that that's bad. No, I don't think, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just, um, you know, each show will be a little bit unique and it's, uh, I guess focus, but I think by the, by now, you know what we're all about. You know what the fuck we're doing. You either like us. I think you either like us or you hate us, love us or hate us. There might not be any in between. That might be one of the uh, one of the things we can say about the show so far. I think people are either going to love us or hate us. Right. If you're legalistic, you probably won't. Right. Love us too much. And if you cuss and drink and smoke, you, you might be like, right. oh, "These guys are great. I love them." Right. Guys. I mean, if you're yeah, and if you're drinking while you're listening to us, yeah, you might really love us. You might, you might even support us. us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so go have a drink, my friends, please. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just today supported by uh Black Box Cabernet right. Sauvignon. Yes. yes. Well this whole week has been supported by alcohol in general, man. It's been it's been a fucking horrible week. I gotta be honest. Right, with uh your daughter and uh I mean Well yeah, and no actually we got we got uh 
This this is this is one of the weird things, you know. This is May fifth. We're recording. This will come out in July. So we're talking about what happened in May. Yeah, I got great news with my daughter and her heart. She has a heart condition. She doesn't have to go to the doctor for like six months. Everything seems to be perfectly under control, and she's good to go. Great news. Then she got the stomach bug before a ballet, and that sucked. <laughs> but she powered through and made it. So she's a fucking trooper. But then uh, I had a um, some dude who uh, is a Facebook friend of mine, and who engages in the Heretic Happy Hour group. And I, I think he, I think he's read a couple of my books. I, from what I specifically remember. I heard he committed suicide and I was like, fuck, that just sucked. It was just out of the blue. And you don't know. I mean, you know, you could become friends with people on Facebook and social media and engage with them, but you don't really know their lives. Yeah. You don't. Yeah, apparently not. Not at all. I mean, <clears throat> and then, uh, Rachel held Evans passed away yesterday, man. So May 4th. And that was like, fuck, that was tough. That was tough for a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize. <clears throat> quite how many people that she had affected but oh my yeah. god yeah she showed up on my apple news feed <laughs> yeah i was listening to um and we had both rachel and sarah bessie on the heretic happy hour as guests and i was listening today on i put it on npr and i was like i, I recognize this girl's voice and it was sarah bessie talking about rachel and she's like yeah it's all over the place i mean she was she was huge man <laughs> she helped a lot of people she helped a lot of people like with their, fa I mean, I heard from multiple people saying how I would not be a Christian if it weren't for Rachel. Wow. I would not, I'd be an atheist. I'd be, a I mean, and not that if you're an atheist, it's whatever. I mean, but to where I think the, the, the truth behind the statement is that she like helped me with the struggles I have, the um, existential crisis that I was in, the, um, yeah. Um, like helped me in a real way that, that, I mean, there's a lot of great atheists who are kind and loving and it's like, they don't, they might not need that, but some people do need that faith. And like Rachel saved their life in a way where they weren't sure where they were going. They were, uh, wow. you know, distraught and bitter and, um, <clears throat> you know, had deconstructed and didn't know where to go. And she impacted so many people. And I'll be honest, I, I only read her book really quick, uh, Searching for Sunday. I read that really briefly um, mm -hmm. and listened to some of her talks and read her blog a couple times, of course, and um, got actually my Lindsay was reading her new book, Inspired. I think it's called Inspired. <laughs> like she was in the middle of it. She read Linda, Clay, Linda K. Klein's book and then read Rachel's. And uh, yeah, my wife was really sad about it, too. And yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just, what was there to say about that kind of shit? I mean, it's just so horrible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tragic. No, I mean, nothing other than the way that she, the positive effect that she had on people and seems pretty evident. I mean, right. it sounds like, you know, just given her, uh, genuine way of living she could have i mean she could have affected anybody on any uh no matter where they were at on their spiritual i think journey. so i mean and, and that's uh, what i've heard from from evangelicals who are struggling to um do you know uh i don't know how to pronounce his name i've talked to him a couple times um hemet mata 
he's, he goes under the fra- uh, the friendly atheist. I probably fucked his name up, but uh, the friendly atheist on Pathios. He's one of the most popular bloggers. He's the one who actually um, he did a whole blog entry on our pillows that we made for Heretic Happy Hour, our troll pillows. About <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've talked to him a couple times on Facebook, and I would consider him a colleague. And um, he's an atheist, devout atheist. He wrote a beautiful thing about Rachel because I guess they had spoken, they talked, um, they were friends in a certain way and um, had a great relationship and just, um, she transcended whatever you're, wherever you're at, she would transcend <laughs> that view that you had and she was just like, like she would, she, she, could, she would approach people on a, such a human level that it was like, there's something about this girl who's like, she's fucking... She could always She's find a way deal. to have a relationship. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's, I mean, that's tragic that, that she's no longer there to do it. And, uh, it's tragic that she's married and has a one three-year-old. And that's like, fuck, that's the hardest part. And I bet, I bet that that's, I mean, it's sad that she's gone. She just seemed like the type of person who's like, who would say something to the effect of like, don't be sad for me. Be sad for, you know, my husband and my, you know, mm-hmm. she, like she cared about other people mm-hmm. and understood theologically that, yeah, we all ashes to ash, dust to dust. That was her last blog entry. Actually. She concluded her blog <laughs> with like, we all come from the ground. We all go to the ground. Like, damn profound shit. But, um, just such a sad, such a sad day, uh, yesterday and this whole week, it's just been, it's been one of those weeks, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Again, I think we've said it. It's not, it's not dying. I mean, death is fucking horrific. It's almost like what you leave behind that I'm scared about. I'd be so scared about that. Right. It's the process that hurts. It's the process that hurts, and it's what's what's left after for those who mourn your death because it's such a hard day for so many people. Um, but what really pissed me off is um, there's already it's May fifth. She passed away on May 4th, and there's people who have published shit from, like, a conservative stance, an evangelical stance, who are like, I hope her followers repent, and I hope she repented before she died, and And it's like, on the one hand, I'm not surprised that motherfuckers think in that way. I guess I'm surprised at the, um, the quickness. Like, it's the next day, and you've got a full... Right, it's like oh, word too art soon. Of, sorry, oh, no, yeah, like <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. are you? It's such a um, dehumanizing way of viewing the world. That's almost like the. I mean, it's like you're not you're not talking about the love she had for her family, the love she showed to other people. It's all about doctrine, theology, and all these like she was wrong, and she, and there's these like life is a grand. Um, eternal decision that you make. That's the whole point. It's like, so fucked up. It, it dehumanizes people. And I'll say, I'll say like the evangelical model dehumanizes people. It becomes about, it becomes, um, what you believe, what you affirm, not how you treat other people, not how you, like, motherfuckers are spending pulpit and pen. It's just like, I think it's this hardcore Calvinist site. I'll, I'll, I'll go on record. Like, fuck those people. Like, fuck them. Yeah. I'll say that. And they can hit me up on Facebook if you got something, <laughs> some problem with what I'm saying. Like, fuck you. Um, it's, it's almost like you're already 
you almost have the article written. Like, it's so quick. Like, were you just waiting at your computer for some shit to happen like this? To some so-called progressive theologian or writer that you're just like, it's almost like you're chomping at the bit to, to talk some shit. You're not letting anyone, like, grieve. You're just like, like, th- these motherfuckers, like, went out and called her a heretic. The next fucking day, like, she's a heretic. That is, it's like, fuck you. I don't even believe in hell, but fuck off to hell. I was so pissed when I when I read that. I couldn't even believe that shit, man. I was so <laughs> mad. Right. I'm torn, obviously. <laughs> I can't help but be mad, but I'd like to think that hopefully there's a place where you can do, you just laugh. I mean, you well, eventually you, make you get comedy, you man. get mad. Eventually you just have to laugh and this is a place like from a mile a million miles away you can look back and laugh at how short-sighted uh, some people are. Oh yeah. Um, I definitely laugh and mock those type of people, but right now I'm fucking pissed. Right I mean, I guess right now it just mainly just be surprised like, "Oh, really? You don't have like too soon has never entered your Yeah, you have zero empathy. <laughs> like you you're <laughs> You're like, not you're not human in the same way maybe, I am. Maybe <laughs> maybe you should get tested for Aspergers. I mean, that that might be. No, a good man, test. I work with people who have autism. <laughs> they would not like like I in my job. I'm not supposed to like be too personal. Like you got to you know I mean social work. So you got to say. But I have I have a couple clients that I I'm pretty close with. I have one in particular that he has autism and. Like, I was having a hard day because I had to work with him um, this week after my, you know, dude I know committed suicide. And I told him. I was like, yeah, I'm having a hard day. It's going to be a rough one for me. I know a dude who committed suicide. And he was just like, man, I'm so sorry. I mean, so even even people who we would say don't feel like uh, Asperger's. You know, it's like these people who are coming out like in pulpit and pen. It's like it. Tra- it's like different. It's no, because yeah, there's people. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I, I get, no, totally I get, right. no, no, I get the uh, propensity that we say those. I, I'd probably make those jokes too, but it's like, no, even, even people who have the, that diagnosis are, are trying like these motherfuckers who are like, <laughs> she's a heretic the day after she died. Like, really? You're going to put that on print. I, I'm, I'm not surprised people think that I get it. I understand the fundamentalist mindset. I've dealt with people who seem like, um, the, the most loveless Christians ever. <laughs> But they're right. They're correct. I'm just surprised they wrote it and hit publish on their goddamn blog. I cannot imagine. Like, I don't even know what to say about Rachel. I I, I said two sentences on Facebook. That's it. I mean, I don't even know what to say. What What is there to say? It's fucking, it's fucking horrible. It's tragic. Like a 37-year-old with mother of two right. dies in some ridiculously, like... I, my wife's a nurse, and she's like, this is the most rare sort of thing that happened. Like you took antibiotics for a UTI and then you went into some horrible seizures and your brain swelled up and like, it's so rare and so tragic and so abnormal. And the first thing you have to say is something theological. Who do you think you are? (laughs) Well, I I think there's a lot of things that you could say that would be appropriate. And a lot of things that you shouldn't say that wouldn't be appropriate. And I think it's probably pretty obvious which is which. It should seem obvious, man. 
Like if if Rachel's husband was next to me, I wouldn't say. I, really, you're not gonna. I would. I wouldn't have anything to say. I would just be. I would just give him a hug. Mm-hmm. I don't even know the dude. Yeah. Never met the dude. Never talked to him. I only talked to Rachel for like, I don't know, a couple correspondences, interview. But it's like. But on the other hand, some dude is like, you're gonna write a 1500 word article about how you hope that the people who followed her start repenting. Like, what? no, maybe, maybe no. What she did was repent. She was an evangelical. She has this quote about like, she thought that it was her life's mission. This is not the exact quote. This is what I remember trying to picture the tweet. (laughs) It was her life's mission to, to love gay people towards being straight. Or like to convince them that they should be straight. And, but it was God's plan to have gay people teach her how to be Christian. I was like, oh, snap. Like, damn, that's some powerful shit right there. I'll tell you what. She repented from her former view. That shows like her change of mind. Like repentance means a change of mind. Maybe she already did repent. Maybe you motherfuckers need to repent. Because you're so goddamn certain all the time about everything that you're so certain that you would publish an article the day after someone who thousands and thousands and maybe millions of people loved in some way or were impacted in a positive way in a real uh, phenomenological experiential way. Their lives are better because of this person. Maybe, maybe she already did repent and that's the fruit of it. Y'all fuckers think about that. (laughs) Jesus. Right. I mean, I think they're just looking to affirm the consequent, like any evidence that doesn't point towards their, uh, their blessing, their blessing, their, uh, yeah. their argument that creates the most ridiculous nightmare. Well, this is what, this is what a lot of people would do. They would look at the people who are not in their camp and they would point to any suffering that they endure as proof that God is not um, affirming of their stance, of their position, right? So all the people who get sick, all the people who die, who are not in their camp, oh, God's going to get you. John Piper said this shit. Like, um, there was this lightning storm that took out this uh, LGBT conference or something. It, like, lit it on fire or something. And he was like, that's proof of God not being down with the gays. But... (laughs) people in his congregation had their house burned down in the same <laughs> lightning. So you're creating this disenfranchisement of people when you do that, but then they'll flip it and they'll be like, uh, any suffering I endure or those in my camp endure is like Satan testing me. Mm-hmm. And it's a test of my faith. And, and so it's always, it's this confirmation bias, right? It is affirming the consequent. They wouldn't, think of it in that way because they don't give a shit about logic which will probably bring us to our topic today eventually but uh that's how they would view it that's how they see shit well no it's it's like the uh, let's say it's the same way that uh quote-unquote republicans view the the Mueller report like or i mean no let's just say it's how trump views the Mueller report he can he can use it to both um, affirm what he believes, like he's totally exonerated, mm-hmm. or um, or it's total BS, or it's total because it points in that he's not in the right. That yeah, yeah. everything that 
that um, uh, points towards that you did something shitty is BS, fake news. It's um, someone trying to smear you, someone with an agenda. Or that if you can twist it in a certain way, it's like, no, this is this exonerates me. This puts me in a good light. It's like when people say, um, I used to have these, uh, when I believed in demons and shit, like I used to like feel like I witnessed demons and like, but it was like the psychological thing. And the minute I stopped believing in demons, I know I have never had a scary situation like that where I had this horrible dream and I felt like there were mm-hmm. demons around. I say, well, yeah, that's because Satan knows he doesn't have to fuck with you anymore because you already, <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, you've already gone so far astray. He doesn't have to worry about you anymore. That's a very convenient view. How but... convenient. <laughs> yes. Everything seems convenient like that. You know, if you're a good Christian and your house burns down or something, well, God's testing your faith or Satan is, um, you know, attacking you because you're a good God fearing Christian. And if your house burns down, if you're a non-Christian it's because, well, yeah, God withdrew his blessing or he sent you a curse or, uh, it's just, Oh, this is so convenient. Everything fits in its proper little box. How nice. Uh, right, and then you don't, and it's very convenient how you don't have to really deal with the emotions of the whole thing. Oh, like, yeah. It never boils down to anything that that you did. I mean... Not not for the most part. <laughs> no. It's starting to get cloudy here, huh? I'm surprised. We might actually get some rain. It's looking pretty dark up towards it's the pretty, north. It's pretty lovely, but... It's uh, it's nice to get a little break from the heat. We had some uh, felt like summer already. Last time we recorded, it was like ninety degrees or some shit. Now it's like it feels comfortable, maybe seventy. It's beautiful. Um, no, I'm liking the seventies. Yeah, I'm liking that as well. But anyway, yeah, it's been a it's been a rough week, and just uh, there is um, I mean, this will be two months after Rachel's passing, but there is uh. This is maybe what I think Rachel would be excited about is that a lot of people like her book is number one on Amazon or something, at least in its category. I mean, it's, oh wow, it's like, uh, you know, it's like we've joked around before, like we won't get popular until we die. <laughs> it's like, uh, we don't, we don't realize how brilliant someone is until they die and then they get popular. And it's like, I mean, Obviously, that's the the thinnest, thinnest, thinnest of silver linings in such a tragedy. But I think that seeming like uh, the type of person Rachel was, she would have a she'd be a little bit happy with the fact that even in her passing, like a lot of people will now hear about her that might not have. And her work and her life and her mission was such that I think she was very prophetic and very enlightening. That more people will be impacted by her now um obviously that that does not diminish the tragedy that it is that does not diminish the pain the suffering Mm -hmm. the horrific nature of something but even in such tragedy i do hope people will i really hope people will read rachel and you know i've only read a little bit but just listening to the uh the testimonies of people like she was the fucking real deal man and Hopefully, even more people realize that because in the church, what we need is people like Rachel. If the church is going to be the church, of, I struggle 
<laughs> as you know, with the concept yeah. of church and the concept of, uh, but some people need that. And if the church looked more like Rachel held Evans, I might be out of a job, man. I wouldn't have any shit to say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to be a provocateur. I wouldn't have to be a kind of classic. I might have to write about something else and find a different uh, focus. I hope we get to a point in our human evolution where we don't, where even people like you and me aren't even really necessary. That would be the idea, right? uh, Everybody is just living their lives and they know that they're, like, they don't even think about if they're doing good or evil. They just 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 do what they want to do and that just so happens to be the good right i mean they're the good breaking through in every individual life and but yeah where we don't need the bodhisattva any longer Mm -hmm. (laughs) right the bible the uh the quran yeah yeah we don't need it it's nice to have i love ancient literature and i love the truths and history (laughs) and yeah we got from one place to another but if we talked about it now it'd just be like yeah of course that's the way it is of course why are we talking about this? Yeah, it's just because we want to. Okay, that's fine. Because we have to, because we have to find some right. sort of... We're going to get some sort of truth out of it, and if we don't get it, oh my God. We're going to... We have to make some money. And... Yeah, that's another one. <laughs> I think a lot of people are in that spot where all things being equal, I would give a lot of pastors the benefit of the doubt and say all things being equal, maybe a lot of them would be willing to have these conversations. But when you're talking about paycheck and bill, we all got bills, we all got mortgage or rent or payments of some sort. Mm. I better not make too many waves. That's the beautiful thing about Rachel Held Evans could have been the darling of evangelicalism. She could have, she's an eloquent writer. She's a great thinker. She was an evangelical. She knows her Bible. She could have been the darling of that. It took, it took bravery and bravado. To step outside of that and and just it's like Rob Bell. Like he had those Numa videos, he could have he could have been the darling of evangelicalism as well. Take some gr- guts. Even though you might on the other side become more popular, make more money, get great book deals and all that, you don't know that going into it. It takes guts to step outside of that. Be like, I gotta say this shit. I might not go so well. Right, and nobody should assume somebody else uh, else's motives, like why they're doing some. No, I would not like to assume that. That's for sure. Uh, what do you think? Maybe fifty-six uh, percent of all pastors out there are are, are uh, genuine in what they. Fifty-six. That's a very specific percentage. <laughs> it's like sorry, you fifty-five to fifty-five to sixty are genuine. I don't know. I mean, I I've never. I would even. I don't know if I'd be able to even guess. I know some that are genuine. I know some that don't seem genuine, but maybe they are too. Maybe everyone's genuine, or most of them are genuine. I mean, maybe maybe the people at pulpit and pen who wrote that shit about Rachel are genuine. I think they're being genuine. I just think you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> or, right. I mean, being genuine may not be all that it's cracked you're up to be. You're a genuine dick. Like, <laughs> we always end the show with don't be a dick, and you might be a genuine one, but you're you're still a dick. Right. Like, don't be a dick and know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
It might be best. It might be best. You might have to change that conclusion. Don't be a dick and know what you're talking about. <laughs> or, or know when you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe that's a good one, too. Right. Uh, maybe just uh, be self-aware. Know when you know what you're talking about. Know when you don't know what you're talking about. That's a good one. Self-awareness. That is a great one. It seems like, uh, and I guess when we talked about what we're going to record in this episode, it was like anti-intellectualism. <laughs> But I think it all fits into into it. I think um, now that we're going to get to the topic of the show after 40 minutes almost. <laughs> <laughs> worth uh, it, I think. Oh, totally worth it. But I think it all fits. Like I think so many religious people and Christians are the context we come from. Like it's almost like they don't they don't care about logic. They don't care about intellectual pursuits. And they would rather hold on to a certain belief system in spite of the fact that what they're saying can lead to some like awfully, awfully horrible conclusions. Like the things with Rachel, like in talking about how if you're going to say that her untimely tragic death is some sort of sign that she's not in God's favor you're obviously not thinking about logic and like a reductio ad absurdum. Um, the minute your kid gets cancer or your wife dies in an accident or something, and you're a good Christian boy or girl, you, you've now created a scenario where the logic of your argument, doesn't that create like a really absurd conclusion, but you don't give a shit about, intellectual pursuits or logic or philosophy and it's just it's a very ironic thing i think and i'd say it's ironic because if you read your bible you'd know that this argument doesn't work you can't sit here and say rachel's death is some sort of fucking um proof that god removed his blessing because she was theologically incorrect or some shit read job go fuck yourself read job just go read the book of job it doesn't work it doesn't work I mean, the point being, you can you can come to the Bible with any sort of conclusions that you want to. You can make it say whatever you want to say. Right. I saw a great quote by Rachel about, like, you want to condone slavery? You'll find it. You want to be against slavery? You'll find it. You want to be anti-woman? You'll find it. You want to be pro-woman? You'll find it. You're going to find what you're going to look for. Right. And I would say, you know, along the same lines, I mean, the, the people that come to the Bible with... Uh, come to the bible honestly mm-hmm. um if they're willing to put the work in mm-hmm. they're gonna probably come to the same conclusions that what like paul came to i mean if we if we want to talk about biblical people that we would say are enlightened mm-hmm. um that you better have yeah, grace <laughs> right i mean the bible is gonna produce whatever if you're pure of heart it's gonna it's gonna give you something if you're not i mean it's going to give you some more akin to Hitler or... It could, right? No, I think that's absolutely true. And Paul's a great example of that. There's... Paul, after... Like, before his conversion and after his conversion, didn't understand the Bible any better. You know what I mean? Like, this dude was yeah. trained in Pharisaical Judaism. He knew... His, he even boasted about it. And it is an ironic boast in Ephesians. I think it's Ephesians. Where he's like, per the, per the law, I was blameless. I was zealous. I was 
like I knew Torah, I knew the law, I knew the Bible. I was good. And, but then he realized he missed the whole point of the whole thing. You know I mean? So he, it's not a matter of knowing the Bible. It's a matter of, so (laughs) how are we going to approach it? How are we going to approach life? Well, I mean, what, what gets you from approaching the Bible like Saul would, as opposed to, you know, approaching the Bible as Paul would? I mean, you need some... Assuming the name change is historic. It's not, but yeah, assuming that argument. Yeah. <laughs> assuming they mean something. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's not a historical truth, but we can use it as a um, what, um, pedagogical one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The the point being, what, what gets you from uh, Saul to Paul? I mean, it's not... I'm going to say it's not from something that you read in the Bible. No. And that's almost like defeating our point of don't be anti-intellectual. I mean, it's not an intellectual pursuit that gets you from a violent zealot to a non-violent follower of Christ. You know, it's not an intellectual pursuit that gets you that. That, but, but I wouldn't want to, but, but I think Christians swing the pendulum too far and then they reject intellectualism as if it's a problem. But yeah, the, the, um, I'd say experience gets you from the zealot to the <laughs> the servant yeah um yeah it's an experience of god obviously of you know i don't know how literal we want to take it but obviously a very profound experience that this person had yeah i mean profound as in you know the road to damascus is <laughs> yeah i mean we, we use that as a saying like i had a damascus road event i mean we use this as like a uh, catch-all for any sort of life-changing experience that we had and like almost like a flash of a light like a one moment event a lot of us have like some of those but it's like well we put together five years well maybe we had this transformative five years but those who have like a one-time event that changes their life yeah we call it a damascus road event and i think for good reason but what that is is uh i you know i mean it's an experience with the risen Christ, but what does that mean? I mean, shit, I just dropped something. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, something we, important. What, yeah, what would we say <laughs> about how do we get from one place to another? I mean, for everyone, it's different, I think. Everyone's experience of God is different. Well, I think the maybe the only point that you... The biggest point would be that it's not... It doesn't originate from you. Yep. Um... Uh, like, that, that would be Paul's point of a theological. Right. Like, uh, for me, I don't, I can't really narrow down to one event that maybe converted me to universalism, but one was definitely Rob Bell. Um, that's not, I mean, like I said in our, um, in our book, uh, Journey with Two Mystics, like, I feel like my heart was preparing for, a love wins. Mm-hmm. Like if it just came right out of the blue, um, it wouldn't have worked. Like because when I was universalism had always been um, denounced in the church, you know, beforehand, mm-hmm. it was always you know labeled as heresy. Sure. So if Rob Bell's book just came out immediately, of course I would have, I would have uh, 
denounced it, but sure. But I, I had time to work with the ideas. Um, but you, you, okay. So you say your heart was ready beforehand. Were, was that based on experiences of certain things? The just the general nagging that you know maybe people on islands who never had the opportunity to hear of Jesus maybe they shouldn't maybe they don't deserve to go to hell like just these. But see, that doesn't. To go back to your point, does, that doesn't come from you. I mean, I think that comes from. I think God is always trying to communicate what God's like in certain way. What I don't know where those where do the thoughts come from that you would take that thought of? I don't think people on islands in in the Amazon or no. Africa, I think it. Or, you know. I mean, I think it as far as how much you listen to that voice. That I mean, that depends on how loud. You know, the other voices are, I mean, um, secular society can be pretty loud. And Christian uh, culture can be very loud as well. Right. I mean, Christian culture that doesn't necessarily <laughs> promote, you know, love. It promotes, you know, ego, you know. A lot of it does seem ego stroking. Like I, I'm good enough to receive the grace of God. I mean, just. Yeah, well, some a point that I. I forget what I said on Facebook, but it's going in my devotional book. <laughs> I'm almost done with that shit. I got like 200 something quotes. I got to get 365. One of them was about like a great disservice that we've done in the church is saying that the only difference between the saved and the damned is something you did. And how does that not breed ego? I mean, if, if yeah. you were, if you were, saying I'm saved because I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and you're saying well Matt you're not because you didn't I mean the only fundamental difference is that you did something you did something right and I did something wrong that's it mm -hmm. the Calvinists would disagree but we didn't grow up in a Calvinist dominant church I mean the Calvinists would say that the Holy Spirit made you do it almost like he is um, what is what is the uh irresistible grace <laughs> like you weren't able yeah. to resist it um but it still comes back to the fact that you were chosen and i wasn't and you'd made the choice and i didn't that just seems to breed an ego to me yeah i don't i don't know how you can get around that <clears throat> i'm not saying all i'm not saying all christians or evangelicals are egotistical we all we all have the ego and we all wrestle with it i just say that sort of situation is always going to lead to probably people with a bigger ego on the average. Because at the end of the day, you get to sit there and say, well, I made the right choice. I have the truth, and I'm not only do I have the truth, but I accepted the truth, and I did something. So it wasn't, I would almost say it's like, it's not that God saves you. Because God didn't save you. If the only difference between you and the damned is something you did, you saved you. Like Jesus held out his hand for two drowning people and you made the choice to grab it. Well, how, how, how special of you? Great choice. Great job. You did it. They didn't. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't have, you said it all right there. Really? Like I, <laughs> we solved everything <laughs> in one fell swoop. Yeah. That's just how I feel. Maybe, maybe that's a straw man. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people would have rebuttals. I'm sure they would, but that's been my experience. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's a very ironic. I think ironic's the right word. It's an ironic tradition that we come from. Everyone's so certain. Everyone has all the answers. 
and then anti-intellectualism still pervades the church. <laughs> it's it's very bizarre. Almost like a uh, Dunning-Kruger, you know what that is? No. It's the um it's the phenomenon where people are too stupid to realize they're stupid. <laughs> 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 it's the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like, like you're too ignorant to know you're ignorant. You're too dumb. I mean, it's a, right. it's a great insult. Or you're too drunk. <laughs> or you're too drunk. You're drunk on the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> a great insult is to call someone Dunning-Kruger. All right, Dunning-Kruger, whatever. <laughs> I feel such... I've done that once, and I, I kind of felt bad afterwards. <laughs> I felt like a dick. Oh, did they know what you're talking about? No, that's the... That's the... That's... <laughs> That's the brilliance of it. That's, I mean, it's it's kind of a, don't be a dick. Okay, I need to listen to the bonfire sessions and because <laughs> that's kind of a dickish move, but it's still funny though. <laughs> Lord, forgive me, forgive me, Jesus. It would be nice if Christianity embraced like some philosophical pursuits, though. It'd be really helpful if everyone talked to your dad for a minute. It'd be helpful. Yeah, or David Bentley Hart. They need a uh, well. They need a little helper with that one. In between, like cliff notes, yeah. The cliff notes. If someone could write the cliff notes of David Bentley Hart, your dad's pretty dense though too. I've had, I read uh, three theological mistakes. I had to read that. I had to read some things over and over. Your dad's really good at distilling things though, from a really difficult concept to a more common layperson parlance yeah that's how I, how i would put it if i know my dad at all like he uh in w- in one way or another lewis is kind of one of his heroes and that he can distill uh kind of dense theological truths into mm-hmm. people that the into things that the the layman can mm-hmm. can understand yeah yep like i said it before that's why i kind of appreciate rob bell and his his way of doing it I think he takes it to a whole other level. And I, you said you didn't really like his style, but um, for a lot of people, it works. For a lot of people, it does work. Uh, right. And I, I am not, yeah, I am not going to uh, criticize Rob Bell's style at this point. Right? I mean. Oh, no, not criticize. It's just that it's, you know, stylistically, I think you had said before, like it's not quite sure. your favorite. <laughs> but what he does is fucking brilliant. Yeah. That's what I try to do. I try to distill things. I think that's what we do in our books. We try to distill complicated things into more, I don't know, understandable approaches, conclusions, understandable ways of communicating. That's what we try to do on here, for the most part. I hope it works. Right. <laughs> our our overall goal being to entertain, which I, I don't know if we're doing right now, but learning something is secondary. I just blew my... Smoldering weed in my bag and just lighting on fire. That's got to be entertaining. All right, I got to put out. This wind is kicking out. It's fun. It's such a beautiful day out here. No, it was beautiful in that in that it was clear before, and it now does. that it's uh, starting to look a little stormy, yeah. I'm liking it. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely. But yeah, I don't know. How was your week, man? <laughs> I haven't asked you how your week was. Sorry to uh, talk about how shitty of a week I had. Oh, uh, nothing really to speak of. Like no, no tragedies. Just uh, no drama. 
No, I've just been uh, filling up uh, my uh, trailer with uh, water and gas. And <laughs> <laughs> Try on the daily, huh? <laughs> on the weekly? Uh, right. Every, I mean, at least every day I'm doing something. I'm either... Uh, something with the trailer. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's satisfying. Uh, it's like... It's like rugged living almost. Well, sometimes halfway. you don't... You, you kind of get disconnected from... Um, what you do and um, how it uh, like like I feel like what I'm doing now it I, I need to do these things in order to survive and sometimes yeah. you know what you I mean it's satisfying like okay, sure I need water to survive I need gas to right to watch uh, Netflix both of which are <laughs> very important. they're very vital <laughs> it's not just about flipping on a switch or flipping on the water w- which I mean I was very spoiled before oh yeah in, in most my of us stick are. built house yeah. oh for sure yeah we're all spoiled man just to, like think about our food Joe Rogan makes the point like if you're gonna eat meat you, you should probably hunt sh- and at, at least one time right. kill an animal carve it i totally agree at least once it it connects you to what you're actually doing and that's a good reminder i mean where do you get meat grocery store no (laughs) not really i mean yeah you do but you know we get so disconnected from what it actually takes to uh maybe live more people would become vegetarians if they knew what it actually took yeah, at least at least like catching a fish and filleting it and taking out the bones and chopping its head off. I mean, at least do that. It, I've done right. it. It's been a while, but I feel like I'm I'm kind of, kind of on on the edge because I don't I don't even know if I really have the stomach to catch a fish or like I I killed a blue jay when I was five and that totally traumatized <laughs> me. You like, up. For almost 35 years. Right. <laughs> and if I just, if I kept that image in the forefront of, of my mind, that might push me towards being a vegetarian. Like, ah, oh, we couldn't just, roast sausages on the, on the bonfire, man, or, or salami. No, I mean, that, that is the very strong pull in the opposite direction. Cause oh. that's, that is so oh, delicious and beautiful. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I think if, you know, if you're a vegetarian, you're a vegetarian. If you're vegan, you're vegan. But I don't think we can say we can't be I don't think meat. I don't think I'm ide- ideologically a vegetarian. Uh-huh. It's just... Well, obviously not. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> you damn hypocrite. No, I'm just a bleeding heart. I can't... I, I don't uh-huh. like watching other, other things suffer. Yeah, that's why you got to do... I mean, you got to, at minimum, do it humanely. You got to... You're gonna hunt. You kill it quick. Fish. You kill it quick. You don't. You don't do this bullshit like some people do. I'm sure, where they don't care about life. Like, they, <laughs> you know, they. I no, mean, I, I think uh, rituals around death. I mean, I think that's yeah, very appropriate. Yeah. yeah, the Native Americans did that kind yeah, of shit. That, and yeah, no waste. You know, like use mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got bones, use it. If you've got, I mean, they even used. I think for dyes and like dyeing their fabrics, like some part, part of the animal or, you know, I don't know. Obviously I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but I know they used, they, they weren't killing for the sake of killing. The point being, don't take it lightly. Don't take say. it lightly. Yeah. Don't take anything lightly. I mean, in terms of like any of your, the things you claim are important. Don't take it lightly. So many, I mean, God, how many Christians 
take everything lightly. Like I know so many Christians who would like dip their toe in Christianity. They go to, they claim to be this great Christian. They want to go to church. Oh, I attend this church, and they go like ten times a year at the most. They don't. They don't study. They don't read. They might look at their Bible. They might pray, and they're just like, "I'm right, and you're wrong." <clears throat> but you're not taking it seriously. At least take it seriously. I might be wrong. We, you might be wrong. You know, there might be a hell at the end of all this, and be like, "Oh shit, God wasn't good." I guess, but <laughs> it might be true. It could be. I could be. I could be full of shit. Not full of shit because I'm trying, but I could be totally wrong. But at no, least I'm taking it I seriously. Mean, being full of shit isn't the same as being wrong. I mean, I would say being full of shit is being a hypocrite. Well, that's why I think a lot of Christians yeah. are full of shit, but they might be right. They might be. But I think they're full of shit just because by... they're not taking it seriously, obviously. No, but it's just pretty much by the luck of the draw that they have right. to be right. A, a broken clock is right twice a day. And I, w- I would rather be passionate about something and be wrong. Than just happen to be right? Which I, I don't... I would hope that doesn't happen very often, but... I hope not. I mean, I would hope that the effort that you put in <laughs> yields some sort of genuine reward, but... I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I would say that's where reason comes in. I mean, that's that's the danger of the Trump presidency is that you can... The danger of the Trump presidency is you can look at a photo of the inauguration and say that... <laughs> It's the biggest one in history. It's the biggest one in history. <laughs> yeah. We are in a... Um, is this like a post-reason age in some degrees? Uh, if not, I mean, we're definitely in danger of it. Uh, I would say that that's the battle of this era. Or, yeah. But it's been, it's been like, building to this, though. It almost seems like it's... Um, right, which... It seems like, like, like someone like Trump, for example, only comes around in a specific type of period he well i mean he, he led doesn't up to that. he he doesn't come out of a vacuum that's for sure i mean sure americans are to blame for the trump presidency you can't I, get away from that sure sure and like you know the state of evangelicalism is it didn't just pop out of nowhere you know it's like it's been building for this sort mm-hmm. of thing like there's a history yeah. there's a history of the marriage between the religious well, the religious right, like evangelicals and right. conservatism. Like there's uh-huh. this, um, I mean, I don't know how far it goes back. Seventies, eighties, like it starts to get this whole possibly Reagan I, I don't around know. that time. That was, that was, um, that was a big part of it. I think it went, I mean, it started before that. Um, but it's been that sort of marriage has been building. I mean, Trump, a Trump president, it, it wouldn't have to be Donald Trump. It could have been someone like that doesn't come out of nowhere it's certainly i mean it's all connected bush wasn't awesome no he wasn't awesome but (sighs) would you take bush now i would i mean he came out he didn't come out of nowhere either but i would say he he's on the same trajectory as trump he's on the same continuum yeah yeah exactly trump maybe much more yeah kind of a well i mean he's eight years down the road or whatever sure yeah yeah 16 from the start of Bush, right? Right, right. Eight from the end. No, yeah, right, for sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we always come back to Trump. <laughs> it's almost impossible not to talk about I'm sure he's pretty happy about it. I mean, all press is good press. So. I guess, yeah. He's not, he's, <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. He's not about to tweet about us, though. 
He's not about to say some shit about. I gotta say, I would be pretty excited we if he did that. I would be too. We don't have a Twitter though. We might have to get a Twitter. <laughs> Just troll him. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't use Twitter, man. I use Instagram and Facebook, but I have a Twitter, but it's all it's like automatically connected to my Facebook, so I don't say anything on there. Um, yeah, I I don't have Twitter, obviously. Yeah, obviously, man. Obviously, but you do have Facebook now, which I forget about. Yeah, we got we're on we're we're on you right now. By the time this comes out, you'll be you'll be in there grinding with me. No, I I'll be happy to be uh yeah with you in the trenches. Yeah, that's right. That's where yeah. And by this time, we don't have one right now. But by the time this comes out, we will have a Facebook group connected to our Facebook page, and you're gonna have to be in there. You're gonna okay. have to be moderating, man. You're gonna have to be answering some questions. You, you just gotta let me know what I gotta do. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll give you the Facebook okay. tutorial. Let me uh, talk to Zuckerberg real quick. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the lowdown, the rundown. Cool. I'm, I'm sure you will. Yeah, Facebook's uh, it's an interesting beast, man. All social media is interesting. Holy shit, it's a it's a change the world for good and for ill. But did you hear about? Uh... Facebook and Twitter and all banning people like uh, Alex Jones from Infowars and I saw that he got banned from Twitter and I think from Facebook too. Did he? Yeah. Was but, it uh, was it his Sandy Hook shit? Uh, I, I didn't hear what specifically triggered that. Uh, I remember I watched shit. I don't even remember it though. He was on him and Joe Rogan used to be boys, and then wait, he said, what? Alex Jones and Joe Rogan Seriously? have been friends for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And fucking um, Alex went off on the Sandy Hook thing and said it was like a hoax. And said some shit about Joe Rogan that was like not true. He's like an FBI spy or he's like, he's like bought off or some shit, some shit like that. I don't even remember. And, and uh, so they had this like beef and then Alex actually went on Joe Rogan's podcast recently, this year, 2019. And they kind of hashed it out and kind of Alex was uh, backpedaling on his Sandy Hook shit and... Wow, I'm very, yeah. I'm very impressed. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it was, um, I mean, he said some shit about, he, the same shit, like, if you don't agree with Alex Jones, like, it seems almost like you're gonna get called some sort of CIA, FBI operative or something, okay. like, right. you know, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's nutty. I wonder what he got banned for, though. I think if I, I remember, it had to do with Sandy Hook, or saying that it was a, a hoax. But I, I don't know if that's correct on t- on Twitter. I hadn't heard he got banned from Facebook too. Should I try to look it up real quick? Yeah, can you be our tech guy for now? Yeah, you can look that shit up. Uh, give me give me sixty seconds. No, you're good. I actually um I can talk for sixty seconds by myself. I can monologue. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm yeah, a prof- yeah. I'm a goddamn professional. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt. I gotta admit though. Here's the deal. I'm gonna admit something. I kind of used to. I wasn't into Alex Jones so much, but I used to follow him and think like he had some good shit to say. Wow. And maybe he did. Really? Like this is like 10, 15 years ago. Okay. And Alex Jones used to not be like the modern Alex Jones. He was kind of crazy back then, but he's not the same dude. I mean, he was shedding light on like Kennedy and um, stuff with the federal reserve and, and it was like, okay, yeah, some of this might be true. Do you? Uh, I would say that about anyone, though. Everyone is true about some things, even if you're naughty. Do you think what was it? Money that corrupted him, possibly? Oh, I um, don't know. I don't know if it's money or if it's um. 
sometimes when you go down, I think when you go down this like conspiracy theory rabbit trail, I think you start to see everything as a conspiracy. You start to see everything as conspiratorial. There's nothing legit. So I don't know if it's like, um, (laughs) seems like a slippery slope fallacy. Like certain people like Alex Jones might be prone to it, but yeah, I think he did make a shit ton of money based on this. Um, I mean, it certainly seems like a lot of people started following him and thought like that. And he could make a shit ton of money on basically seeing everything as conspiratorial. I wouldn't want to add intent to action because I never met the dude and I don't plan on it. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not sure, but maybe that plays into it. It's just, it's just, it's disheartening because he, he needs, he needs the people uh, that uh, disenfranchised that are, yeah, it's praying to a certain population. It's, it's praying. Sorry, thank you. It's it's people that just want to be mad. That <clears throat> well, I think it's I think it's people that that um, that aren't comfortable with not having an explanation for everything. Like everything's got to be a conspiracy. Like bad shit just can't happen. Like random, just horrible shit just yeah. can't happen. It has to be like someone conspired to do all this shit. It's like uh, it's preying on a certain uh, psyche. Well, that no, that no, that's good. I think it. I mean, people definitely need a sense of uh, certainty in life. Because, oh God, yeah. I mean, obviously, life can can be s- scary. And um, yeah, <laughs> if if this is a person that convincingly tells you this is how we uh, go forward in life, uh, that makes sense to me. It makes sense that yeah. I mean, I. It makes sense to me why people um, flock to Trump over the border wall. Um, I mean, if if you if you've been shown evidence, then that convinces you that immigration is horrible, illegal immigration. That is they're stealing your jobs, totally or yeah. they're going to be raping you. Right, selling or, drugs to everyone. I mean, fear is a very powerful tool. Yeah, we know that. It <clears> makes <throat> sense. Yeah. I feel like I have a good grasp on why everything is happening, at least a decent grasp. I mean, if if it weren't for fear, why would why would anybody follow Trump? Really, does does he have anything but fear working f- towards him? Oh, for him, fear is. I mean, ah, this this brilliant mystic said, "Fear is a powerful <laughs> trap." Oh, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very powerful trap. It's one of the most. I mean, it's the <laughs> most powerful trap. It's not the most powerful force. Mm-hmm. I think love is, but it's the most powerful yeah. trap. I mean, because right, fear is technically nothing. It's pointing towards. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if that's right. I just said that. I don't know. Well, it's it's uh. Well, I mean, what you're trying to say is, I think. Um, let me man. It's a, It's it's <laughs> trying to. It's arguing for a negative, whereas sure. whereas love is arguing for a positive. Right, right. You 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 know what you're loving. You don't necessarily know what you're fearing. I don't know. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's true. I think I don't think we um, did we say it on the last show that we don't realize um how fearful we are until we transcend it, and then we look back and we're like, damn, I was living from a really place of like a strong place of fear. Yeah. Right, that sounds familiar. Yeah, um, and which, yeah, fear is like darkness. It's, it doesn't exist. Like it, um, like it's an um, ontological negative. Maybe is that right? 
That's the best I can put it. I don't yeah. Your dad might call like sin or evil the um impossible possibility. You know, like it's it's like Yeah. Like when when darkness leaves the room, it's because light was shed on it. It wasn't really there, it's just it was an absence of light, maybe. Right. Uh darkness was the veil itself. Mm. It, uh there was no figure behind it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the absence of something. Yeah. Where are we going with that? Something with Trump. Everything always comes back to Trump. <laughs> everyone everyone lives with fear. We all have fear. I don't know. I have I have certain fears. Shit, sorry. Sorry. Oh, you're good, man. <laughs> Every now and then we bump this damn table and it goes, listen, this is what it does. <laughs> it does that big old ball. Took us a couple episodes to figure that out. I remember editing, what was it, episode three? I was like, God damn, what the fuck is this shit all about? <laughs> then I figured it out. We got to have a side table. <laughs> We're so right, unprofessional. We but by episode 10, look at this. We've got it all figured out. We've got the whole podcasting thing figured out. Slowly but surely. Yeah, Slowly right. but surely. That's right. That's right. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be an interesting summer and an interesting year. It's going to be a lot of big things coming up. Yeah. I measure everything. Uh, uh, Trump 2020. Yeah. I mean. It's, yeah, it's hard enough to look. I wonder. It's going to be. Uh, I don't even know how it's going to go. I know I've predicted Trump will win. They could go. There could. There's nothing that you can. Everything's off the table. Or on the table. You can't predict nothing. It could be so fucked up. Y- I mean, you you know can I mean? talk as much as you want, but predicting. No. No. Uh, no. It's a weird time. It's a weird time we live in. It's like a lot of people are becoming... I don't know if a lot of people are becoming enlightened, but it's. it seems like there is some sort of movement towards a certain enlightenment collectively, but at the same time, it doesn't... And I don't know if we have more access to all information, so we see that because that's kind of the world we try to live in i just think i i think it's the shy people that aren't uh speaking up i would guess that more people are um for lgbtq rights for uh marijuana at 11 at night when they can't sleep and everyone else is asleep and they're alone by them by themselves and their own thoughts Uh, right right well, well, when people are most honest, most about, their, honest. about their thoughts. Right. Yeah. When they're walking in the woods by mm-hmm. themselves and taking a walk. I I think so. I'd be willing to bet that the percentage is much higher than what people would survey or answer a survey to. If they're truly being right. honest. Which is, uh, <laughs> yeah, please go out and vote. I mean. Be bold. <laughs> be bold. Maybe I have more faith than I should, but yeah, I yeah, it takes a certain, um, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the last uh, midterm elections, the House the house gained a lot of seats. and uh, For the Democrats? For the Democrats. Um, I mean, that's not nothing. No, but I don't have much faith in the Democrats either. I don't know. I don't have faith in, the, I'm too cynical. I have more faith in the Democrats than the Republicans. Uh, I, I guess the, I guess more Democrats I would probably... <laughs> I would want to sit and have a drink with than most Republicans because they'd be more willing to talk. 
the whole thing, like, it just seems like once you get to that point, it's all about money and power. Maybe there's less Democrats now that seem to be legit. Like that um, Alexandria Ocasio or Cortez. Cortez, yeah. Like, I don't agree with her on everything, but I would certainly say, like, she seems like the perfect stubborn person to not kowtow to big money or something like at least she seems legit like i think like she would be so bold and brazen that'd be like fuck your money you're not gonna pay me off and be like yeah that's at least the type of person even if i don't agree with you on everything like okay you're a bold you're gonna stand for something that you think is right and you're not gonna be a uh yeah there's more on the democrat side maybe currently that seem to not be bought off but I could be wrong. Well, there's I don't. A lot that are fuck it. I mean, I don't know if there's any Republican that I really agree with. Uh, honestly, not that I've really uh, studied the the, the last re- Republican, Republican field, and he wasn't even really a Republican. Was Ron Paul? That I was like, okay, this dude, he's not okay. going to be bought off. Absolutely, right. Um, I wouldn't agree with everything Ron Paul argued for either. But it's like, okay, this is the type of dude. It'd be like, I don't know if there's any current Republicans. I'm pretty ignorant to the whole thing on names and titles. I had no problem with uh, John McCain. Um, He was a, I think he was technically a Republican. No, he was a Republican. I I disagree with him on a lot of things. But you couldn't... He seemed like he was... You you couldn't say that he was treasonous. I mean... No, you would never level that against him. He he obviously uh, he was obviously a patriot in the best sense of the word. Oh, he was certainly a patriot. Everyone calls themselves a patriot, <laughs> but it's just like, what does that <laughs> yeah. mean? Like some people say that being a patriot is like um, you stand for the national anthem or something. And well, like, no, I mean, and obviously, they say you're unpatriotic if you kneel. <laughs> it's like, wait, hold on. So for me, it's standing for something that you believe in. There you go. And I mean. I would like to think that America stands for representing the lost, uh, the minorities, um, people that are seeking asylum. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that the poem on the fucking Statue of Liberty? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which apparently didn't come until later. So that doesn't mean anything. But yeah, I've heard that and I'm like, okay, but it's still there. And, And it's not about when it's placed or when it's written, but it's like, do we not stand for that as Americans? Do we not? Okay, tell, that, that's I mean, what I would like to have it stand for. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't agree with it, don't agree with it, but just say you don't agree with it, not some sort of historical quibbling or anomaly no. that, okay, so I don't give a fuck when it was put there. Don't you stand by the this message is, of it? Right. This is what I mean when I say I stand for being an American. Uh, right. Standing yeah. for being American is being able to sit down to make a protest against the flag or what it, you know, I mean. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, listen to what the man's actually saying. Disagree with him all you want, but don't straw man. Oh, it's a, it's an offense to the military. It's, he wants this and that. It's like, no, what? That's not what he's saying though. It's a protest against, uh, you know, violence against black people <laughs> at a disproportionate rate by law enforcement. Yeah. Okay, so that's the argument then. So don't straw man him and say it's like a defiance against America. Or this no. no, that's not what he's saying. You might see it as that, but put that aside for a second and listen to the person what they're doing. No, and I'm sorry 
to bring Trump back into this, but that that's no, the same sort. Of, <laughs> no, I'm not sorry. That's the same sort of thing that is happening with the Mueller report. No, Mueller was not trying to prove that there was no collusion because collusion is not a lawyerly term that he was trying. Shit, sorry. That was my bad. He wasn't trying to prove that there was no collusion because collusion is a very wishy-washy term. Right. Um, so as a straw man of the whole thing, he's trying to just, what's he trying to do? Put forth a, to the facts, the evidence? Well, he's trying to make a straw man. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the people who say that. Yeah. Everyone likes to argue straw mans. Oh, well, I, I've bought into that's it too. Why, I think that's why they exist. Yeah. Sometimes I, I straw man Calvinism, but <laughs> I've had a propensity to do that. It's such a laughable ideology. But once you get into it, yeah. Yeah. But I think logical fallacies are fun when you make jokes. Just don't have that be your like if you know you're straw manning but you want to make a joke, if it's funny, okay, it's funny. Okay, that's not your argument though. Sometimes you can use a straw man to make a funny joke, but then okay, dig into the argument. I'd be cool with a straw man against universalism if it was just a joke and then the person was willing to talk about it and be like, oh, I was just making a joke. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Don't get so offended. Don't, but, but don't let the straw man be your like end all be all argument either. I think that what somebody finds funny is a very good litmus test for where we can have a religious discussion. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. If you don't find some crude humor or some, uh, that's that's just where I'm coming from. Right, that's you. That's you. I would be. I would need you if we're gonna have a serious discussion. I probably need you to not be offended by like blasphemous jokes, <laughs> maybe, because I might make some. Like I'll say, "God damn it!" Right. But or Jesus Christ. Well, because that that makes some pretty strong statements about your theology, right. whether or not you want to admit it, but. Yeah, you you don't have to use those terms, but you know, I'm not. But your ability to, your ability to use them is saying words aren't magic. Like oh yeah, yeah. That, it's not some incantation. That's kind of. I think that ultimately leads you towards um, whether or not you think the Bible is inerrant is for a lot of people. It might. Whether or not you think that you should be able to say shit. There would probably be a strong. That might be a causation versus correlation. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. There, but there would be a strong yeah. correlation between those who find the Bible inerrant and those who couldn't handle some salty language. There's some that, you know, I think my parents cuss sometimes. I hear them cuss sometimes. I don't think they like as much as I cuss. So maybe there's like a quota that you can fill. <laughs> I think it's more of a artistic sense that you're offending. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. People see, um, it's funny. People see cussing as like a uh, sign that you're unintelligent or that you lack well i've grammatical seen, skills i've seen memes to the contrary so oh my god uh, well science points to the contrary <laughs> kind of i mean there's some studies that show that people who do cuss have a higher vocabulary and i know there's a lot of dumbasses who say fuck every five seconds right. but there's, there's a some, lot of really eloquent people who have written four books there you go who say fuck all the time there's some strong science behind that <laughs> <laughs> there's at least some evidence that okay Maybe just because you cuss doesn't mean you're unintelligent. Yeah. Trailer trash. <laughs> <laughs> to be offensive, <laughs> yeah. 
You're living in a trailer, man. You better not talk too much shit. <laughs> and there's actually such thing as living in a nice trailer. You can <laughs> you can uh, live it up. And uh, did you see that Oliver thing on trailer living? That was pretty enlightening. Those people get fucked over. Was it? Oh, it I, was uh, maybe in April. I'm sure I did. Yeah, you probably did. It was something about like people who live in mobile homes or trailers. They get fucked on the uh, loans, and then they get fucked on the. Uh, they don't own the land, and there's all these stipulations that, in the end, it's like the horrible financial decision for you to make. It's like screw. It's like uh, people. It, you know, we've said it before. The poor get screwed. <laughs> it's all they can afford, so it works in the in the now. But it's like a horrible long term decision to get into. Yeah. Trailers, mobile homes. But with them specifically, it's because they're trying to get out of the situation because they live in like a floodplain mm-hmm. where they, they obviously have to get out of it, but they're trying to sell people on the idea of living in a floodplain. It's like... It, oh, right. Yeah. It, it, that's why... You, <laughs> I mean, that's why you need uh, socialism. That's why... <laughs> Are That's, you are you advocating for socialism? Are you a socialist? Are I'm you breaching come out? the I'm breaching the subject right now. This is oh, this is it. This might be why you actually need socialism to help people who are actually victims of circumstance. The argument against socialism is that someone will always take advantage of it, right? Right. And uh, I think someone's going to take advantage of every situation, though. And I would say people have taken advantage of capitalism, hundred percent. I would say it's a better situation that people take advantage of socialism. That's a better situation than where people are getting screwed by capitalism. Mm. Um, Might be. I don't know. I it, come. At, I come at it from a different angle, but I'm not a capitalist. I think I'm a. Um, I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am either, man. I really don't. It's I, I'd not rather not. I'd rather not label it. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> it's funny because I'm, uh, um, like, I want to live as a communist, actually, a voluntarist communist. So I'm in the philo- politically philosophical conundrum of not thinking that the state, as currently defined, can exist in an ethical way. But at the same time, I'm a communist. I think we should voluntarily commune with our neighbors. And share and so I'd be a democratic socialist communist, but I also don't think that the state, I think the state violates the ethical principle of not uh, using coercion and force on one another. Of necessity? Just by its very definition, I think. Really? Okay. So, okay. so, so, for instance, if you, if I, w- I, I mean, I would call myself a voluntary communist. I would want to commune and share all my resources with people around me. I mean, ideally, but if someone said, if you didn't, then what's the consequence? Or you go to jail for tax evasion or for this and that. So it's at the end of a gun to my mind. Like I haven't heard otherwise. Like if you don't do that, now we're going to lock you up or we're going. And if you refuse to be locked up, what are we going to do? We're going to send police to wrestle. I mean, you know, it's like, so what's at the end of that? Um, I can't say that the ends justifies the means, but I would still agree with the ends of I, we should voluntarily social. We should be, there's no reason why we cannot accomplish our like eliminating poverty. 
We have the resources. Right. We have the ability. We could. It's theoretically possible. Yeah. And so we should take it upon ourselves to do that for one another. But I wouldn't say it can be at the end of a threat. If you really? can, if you can okay. create a situation where the state doesn't have a threat at the end of it, I'll totally get on board with that. And I would too. I would just, I would ask, just because you can't do A, which is the best possible solution, mm -hmm. um, does that mean that you shouldn't do C in light, B in light of C? That, I mean, if that would it, be the discussion, I guess. <laughs> I, I would say, I mean, it, I would just say I'm not happy about this, but I would say it would be better to to adopt economic, humanitarian, um, environmental policies mm -hmm. that may not be the best, but they're better than the worst. And I would agree with that. <clears throat> and then I would want to take the discussion just a little bit further and right. say, what's the best? What's the best way of enacting that? Like, is the state the best way of doing that? Or maybe we need to redefine what the state... I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm agnostic on... Right. I'm, I'm just saying that, that people need to maybe get in the habit of adopting ideas that maybe they don't really... That aren't the best, but they're better than the worst. Like, uh, maybe the difference between, as I've heard, the difference between um, the politics in Great Britain and America were... In Great Britain, they they elect the officials that they think will fuck things up the least. I mean, they don't <laughs> they don't have a high view of politicians. Mm. Um, whereas in America, we we tend to try to elect our heroes. Um, sure, hmm, that's interesting. I would definitely not argue for a, a stateless society tomorrow, but I see it almost like um, heroin. Like you wouldn't just cold turkey a heroin addict. You know, like I would definitely take that view in the practical sense, but I think we could evolve as a species to where we're like, okay, can we do all these things without something called the state and borders? And I mean, it seems like we could transcend that with some. Well, I would like to think awakening. that we could get to the point where, I mean, what we say what we would recognize as a state is so intertwined, intermeshed with the rest of society that we can't really distinguish. Mm. Um, well, yeah, then I'd say, is there, is there really the separate entity called the state or are we just voluntary, voluntarist communists? Right. Yeah. 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 Or is that something that, I mean, is it like love that generally pervades all of the means of society? I mean, mm. um, the universe has been around for 13.8 billion years and humans for modern humans for 200,000 or something. Given enough time, we might be able to get there. Not in our lifetime, though. I don't think that's going to be the, the, the bar. Are we being loving? <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, are, are you being practical? Are you uh, using your resources wisely? That's probably going to be the the bar right there the uh that's another big problem i have success. with the state is it's so inefficient at least in its modern form like it's so inefficient there's so much waste in government and i mean they certainly could do things much more efficiently and i would certainly say if you're going to tax us at least i mean 
I do not feel good about paying taxes that do fund, for the most part, bombing people. Like, I have a big problem with that. I have a problem with taxation as such in its current understanding. But I have a really big problem with the fact that if I don't pay my taxes, you're going to lock me up. No. And when I do pay my taxes, it goes against my ethical principles of nonviolence and non-interventionalism. So that, that would be my line. I mean... That sucks. If we're talking about military intervention, yeah, let's have a discussion. But as far as infrastructure, really take as much as you want. I trust you. I trust you, but I don't trust you. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm all for. I don't know if I I'm all you. for giving money towards better roads, better schools. Oh, I am too. I, I think it, for me, it comes down to a, like a philosophical question of whether that can be enforced upon you or whether that's a voluntarious decision. Okay. So that's for me where I, if right. it's forced upon you, no. like I agree with the, um, the ends. Yeah, of course I want to pay for that. Yeah. I, I'm not sure <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can get on board with the means. That's the question right there. Yeah. I don't know if I could either. It's, 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 I wish we had that conversation though. That should, that should be the conversation. We just split into sides for the most part as Americans, at least, uh, not just Americans, obviously. No, it's a worldwide discussion. It's a worldwide, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but if we had that discussion, at least I think we'd get a lot further. Like I've always laughed about like, um, if Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders were running mates or something like one was president, one was vice. Okay. You have completely opposite sides, <laughs> but at least those type of people would sit down and have discussions with each other, probably and enjoy it and listen to each other. That's the point. You could have a democratic socialist and an almost anarchist <laughs> discussing everything. Um, yeah. Hospitably, hospitably. Yeah. <laughs> without being tribal, without being you're evil, you're on the other side, I'm good, I mean, back and forth. like That just goes to show we can have these discussions. We just fear we don't. I don't. Maybe, I mean, I get afraid of intense discussions. I mean, as far like with uh, marriage politics, I would it's a very uh, religion, religion, whatever creates that situation where, I don't know, you feel like you have to defend yourself. Mm. Um, like you feel that, I mean, that you feel like something is at stake and definitely religion falls into that. Yeah. Um, Any of the big questions of life. I think you mentioned that you were a little, uh, when we first met, I was a little much for you. Like it was a little intense. Is intense the right the word you use? That's a perfect word. Yeah. <laughs> it can be intense. The best way I would put it is that Matt I'm sorry. Um You can say it. I won't get I, I just I, I want to get it correct. Because it's a very it's a very subtle emotion to to be in contact with Matt DeStefano. It's, <laughs> it's not for everyone. It's a, it's a very honest interaction. It's uh, maybe that, I, that's a good I, word. Honest. I mean, I, I recognize a lot of me in you. I mean, you say that you're a, an introvert, and sometimes I doubt that, but sometimes I definitely see it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm an introvert in some ways. 
I'm an introvert in social settings. But still intense, though. Honesty can be intense. And in, in, intense in that you don't really compromise. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Evangelicals don't compromise either, so maybe we have that in common. <laughs> so then that's that's not really what I'm looking at then. I, I uh, <laughs> It doesn't, you do, definitely don't give me the, the evangelical vibe. Well, I'll take that as the biggest compliment I've ever received. After a couple episodes ago, you called me an evangelist, and now you're saying I don't have the vibe. So, oh, I was probably I was being ironic. No, I know. I'm sure. I, no, I, I guarantee you. Are. <laughs> no, in one way, we are evangelists. I mean, well, no, we, we we wouldn't have this podcast if we weren't trying to say, yeah, we want to be entertaining, but at the same time. Uh, we obviously have some sort of message that yeah, it would be probably better for your life if you at least um, had a certain posture in life, asking questions, being open to discussion. If you weren't so mad, yeah, and everything, yeah. yeah. You don't have to be, re- reject your certainty. Don't be so dualistic. Uh, you know, there's a certain message <laughs> behind the message, of course. So in that way, yeah, I guess we're both evangelists, but yeah, evangelical. <laughs> As a, as if I was truly honest, I wouldn't last that long at many churches. I'd get kicked out if I was truly honest, mm-hmm. like I am right now. <laughs> you you maybe you too. I don't know. I I might last maybe two sessions more than you did, but I think it would come <laughs> two out, Bible studies. <laughs> I think it would come out eventually. Yeah, I feel like as I'm getting older, I just I don't have the patience as much of the patience like I. I feel like I have to say something either by body language or yeah. body language is what like, 80, 80% of our communication. No. <laughs> and really, I, I think I'm a pretty good, pretty good at poker when it comes to putting on your poker face, poker face. No, but no, ultimately I, I don't think I am a very good poker you player. Know, you might think you are, but you're I really, might think I am, but... You're putting out those vibes like, no, uh-oh, I, everyone be awkward, Mike is not if, having it. If you it. really know what I'm about, no, you can re- read what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Your wife could read you in a in a crowded room and be like, oh. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius. That's what she said. <laughs> hey oh, <laughs> Well played, sir. A little Michael Scott in there. Oh man! <sighs> so anyway, what's the takeaway? Don't be dumbass. Don't don't be a Dunning Kruger. <laughs> Intellectualism is not the end all be all, but don't reject it entirely. I mean, don't be naive. I mean, don't be. Yeah. I mean, know your shit. I, I mean, assume that of course you believe what you believe. Otherwise, you would believe something else. Otherwise, people are believing something for. If for no other, no other reason but for themselves, it's a very good reason. And yep, um, sure. Don't be don't be a dick about that. I mean, be willing to have <laughs> be willing to have the conversation to figure out why. Yeah, they believe something that's so absurd is what they believe. Yeah. There you go. That's a takeaway. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That is the word of advice for today. Uh, yeah, I guess it's time to wrap it up. So make sure you, um, well, if you're listening to this, you're either on iTunes or Podbean. And, uh, if you don't know, we have a website. It'll be our landing page for everything Bonfire Sessions related. It's thebonfiresessions.net. Uh, 
And we have a Facebook page. Make sure you follow us on Facebook. And we do have a Facebook group. So get in there. Just search the Bonfire Sessions and join. We will probably add you unless you're a dick. And if you're a dick, we'll kick you out. And I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm just playing. Just be in, If you get in there, be nice. Be kind. Don't be a dick. But if you are, you can probably work yourself back. Oh, of course. You're never kicked. It's not banned for life. Probably not. I can't. I can't verify that that's <laughs> going to be the case every time. I have a pretty extensive uh, blocked list on my Facebook, but that's trolls are trolls. I mean, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah, we got that. Um, and Patreon, if you want bonus episodes and if you want our booklets that are coming out soon. Uh, for 2020. Hey, yo. <laughs> if you want that early... I, I got no problem with dropping that in there, so that's the promise. If you uh, $10 subscription on Patreon gets you uh, bonus episodes, it gets you early access to our booklets that are coming out, and you get eternal gratitude, and your sins will be washed away by the blood of the Lamb if you join us on Patreon. Which is a pretty good deal. Well, you get it either way, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you weren't supposed to say that. I'm sorry. The Bible says it. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, we love you guys and thank you for listening. And we'll see you on episode 11. As always, tell these people what not to do. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't don't be a dick, you guys. Just be nice. <laughs> it always works out if you're just nice. <laughs> I could be a dick. I'm sorry. I'm a hypocrite. But aren't we all? Yes, we are. All right. See ya. Night, night.